Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. American Hotel Income Properties REITs LP's first quarter results conference call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. Following the formal remarks, there will be a question and answer session for analysts only. Instructions will be given at that time for you to queue up for questions. I will now turn the call over to Kelly Iwata, Director of Finance. You may begin your call. Thank you, Operator. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us for our first quarter 2021 results conference call. Discussing AHIP's performance today are Jonathan Coral, Chief Executive Officer, Bruce Pite, Chief Operating Officer, and Anne Yu, Interim Chief Financial Officer. The following discussion will include forward-looking statements as required by securities regulators in Canada. Comments that are not a statement of fact, including projections of future earnings, revenue, income, and FFO are considered forward-looking and involve risks and uncertainties. The risks and uncertainties that could cause our actual financial and operating results to differ significantly from our forward-looking statements are detailed in our MD&A for the three months ended March 31, 2021, our other Canadian securities filings available on CDAR, and on our website at ahipreet.com. AHIP does not undertake to update or revise any forward-looking statements to reflect new events or circumstances, except as required by law. Listeners are urged to review the full discussion of risk factors on AHIP's annual information form dated March 15, 2021, which has been filed on CDAR at www.cedar.com. Our first quarter results were made available yesterday afternoon. We encourage you to review our earnings release, MD&A, and financial statements, which are available on our website as well as on CDAR. On this call, we will discuss certain non-IFRS financial measures, including NOI, hotel EBITDA, FFO, and AFFO. For the definition of these non-IFRS financial measures, the most directly comparable IFRS financial measure, and a reconciliation between the two, please refer to our MD&A. All figures discussed on today's call are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise indicated. I would like to remind everyone that this call is being recorded today, May 13, 2021, and the replay of this call will be available on our website. Jonathan will begin today's call with an overview of operational and financial highlights, followed by Bruce, who will provide an update on hotel operations. Lastly, Anne will highlight key financial results. I'll now turn the call over to Jonathan Coral, Chief Executive Officer. Thank you, Kelly, and thank you everyone for joining us today for our first quarter financial results conference call. I'm going to begin by highlighting our results in the first quarter of 2021 and the various dynamics currently at play in the hotel industry environment. After that, I'll hand it off to Bruce and Ann to provide more details on the company's operational and financial performance in the first quarter. The month of March 2021 marked one year since the global pandemic began to impact the U.S. hospitality industry. The last 12 months have reinforced our belief in the premium-branded select service hotel business model. During this time frame, AHIP's top-line performance has surpassed industry averages, 
while generating operating margins that have exceeded our peers. For every month since April 2020, AHIP has generated positive hotel EBITDA across the portfolio. Since June 2020, all of our hotels have been open for business. Our Q1 performance saw us achieve our strongest operating results since the pandemic began. Every month brought sequential improvements in occupancy and rate, with March generating monthly occupancy that exceeded 60% for the first time in the last 12 months, ending the month at almost 70%. This trend continued into April when we saw our first month where average daily rate exceeded $100, allowing us to generate RevPAR above $70 for the first time since the pandemic began. Vaccination rates across the U.S. have been rising rapidly since they initially began in December. This, coupled with declining COVID-19 infection rates in many of our portfolio states, has had positive effects on the U.S. economy and travel demand in particular. In addition, the U.S. stimulus bill passed in mid-March brought a boost to U.S. consumer activity and travel. We expect these dynamics to continue. There has been strong leisure demand across the portfolio highlighted by exceptional performance at many of our leisure-oriented Florida and Texas hotels. Spring break across the U.S. in March brought increased demand in the Sunbelt states. We are encouraged that these higher demand patterns have brought meaningful increases to average daily rate. Rate increases of over 13% between January and April have allowed us to flow more revenue to the bottom line. Going forward, as we witness continued top-line improvements, our teams are working hard to ensure that we maximize the permanence of the cost savings and operational efficiencies that we have achieved during the pandemic. In February, winter storms brought extreme cold temperatures to the southern U.S. Eight of our properties in Texas and Oklahoma experienced business disruption to varying degrees, in most cases caused by pipe breaks. Our frontline teams performed incredibly well under adverse conditions, ensuring that guests seeking shelter were able to be accommodated. We are happy to report that operations have re returned to normal with no long-term effects to the properties. We continue to take a cautiously optimistic approach to our property operations. Although we are seeing a strong correlation between vaccination rates and traffic to our hotels, we still encounter some local and state restrictions related to the pandemic. Until business travel rebounds in a meaningful way, we will be challenged to return to 2019 rate levels. Another challenge we are currently facing is our ability to attract and retain labor for certain positions. There are several, several dynamics at work in the U.S. labor market that contribute to that particular challenge, which Bruce will speak about later on. As we discussed during our Q4 earnings call, we completed a $50 million preferred share and warrant private placement with Bentall Greenoak and Highgate Capital that closed in late January. Concurrent with the closing of this investment, we also completed amendments to our $225 million corporate credit facility with our lending syndicate. As a result, we received waivers for key financial covenants through the end of 2021 and modified covenants through the end of 2022. 
Cash proceeds from the preferred equity investment coupled with the amendment to our corporate credit facility allowed us to enhance our liquidity and reduce our debt. Remaining cash from this investment coupled with projected cash flow over the coming months provide us with the financial flexibility needed in an operating environment that remains unpredictable. Today, following our preferred share private placement and debt paydown, we have approximately $40 million of available liquidity comprised of both unrestricted cash and revolver capacity. And with those recent highlights, I'll now turn the call over to Bruce to discuss first quarter hotel operations. And we'll then highlight key first quarter financial metrics. Bruce? Thank you, Jonathan, and good morning, everyone. The first quarter began as a continuation of the lower demand seasonality that we typically see in Q4 and in early Q1. That changed around President's Day weekend in mid-February when demand patterns began an upward trajectory that has not subsided. Although we typically see sequential monthly improvement as we distance ourselves from the colder winter months, the percentage revenue increases between January and March were more significant than most years. March RevPAR of $68.13 represented a 46% increase over January RevPAR of $46.52. As a whole, Q1 RevPAR of $57.01 exceeded Q4 2020 RevPAR by over 20%, pointing to meaningful signs of recovery for AHIP's portfolio. The macro driver of the demand increase across the portfolio has been the rapid dissemination of vaccines throughout the United States. At the beginning of the year, less than 2% of the U.S. population had been vaccinated with one dose of the COVID vaccine. Three months later, almost 30% of the population had been vaccinated at least once. Today, counting those who have been exposed to the virus, well over half of the U.S. population has some form of protection against the virus. Total occupancy for our 78 hotels in the first quarter averaged 60.2%. On a monthly basis through the quarter, January occupancy was 51.2%, February occupancy was 59.9%, and March, which saw a major breakthrough in demand due to spring break traffic in the Sun Belt, finished at 69.4% for the month. As Jonathan alluded to earlier, March was the first month where the portfolio exceeded 60% occupancy since the pandemic began, almost reaching 70% occupancy milestone as well. Our booking window continues to improve from the early days of the pandemic. However, the window is still within seven days of arrival and closer to 10 days uh, for extended stay bookings providing limited visibility of forward booking trends. Although revenue increases have been primarily driven by occupancy increases, we are encouraged by the rate we have seen every month since the beginning of the year. Average daily rate increased from $90.81 in January to $98.22 in March, representing an 8.2% increase during the quarter. Jonathan hinted at our April results, which confirmed that the jump in demand across the portfolio in March was not single event driven, but rather another step towards recovery from pandemic lows. 
Rate growth continued in, into April, where we finished the month with an average daily rate of $103.15, our highest monthly rate since the pandemic began. This, coupled with occupancy of 68.6%, delivered RevPAR of $70.77 in April, $2.64 higher than March RevPAR. Early indications for May signal that the upward trend will continue. The leisure segment continues to be the dominant driver of demand across our portfolio. Within this segment, youth sports and project work are catalysts for demand growth. We are seeing some initial, designs, initial signs of improvement in the corporate and group segment, but this significantly lags behind leisure demand. The corporate and group bookings we have tended to see in Q1 are coming from small and mid-sized companies. In general, larger corporate clients continue to have stricter travel policies, with many offices still closed. We anticipate demand in these segments to improve in the back half of 2021. Weekends continue to outpace midweek occupancy as a result of the strong leisure segment demand and limited corporate travel. Friday and Saturday nights have continued to be the peak demand nights through the pandemic period, and the portfolio is currently seeing occupancies in the high 70s to mid 80% ranges on weekends in March and April. Given this significant demand, our revenue management teams are building strategies that focus on weekend rate optimization. In the first quarter, Construction, medical, and project-driven business continue to be a viable source of demand in many markets. In February, hotels secured renovation and construction business in Texas and other parts of the country due to the polar vortex weather-driven event. Many homeowners were displaced from their homes due to the lack of electricity or running water, and they found refuge in our hotels for the week. The government segment, including National Guard bookings, continues to be active across many regions of the U.S. While mostly related to vaccine distribution and administration, AHIP hotels in Cincinnati, Midland, Texas, and the New Jersey hotels secured National Guard business in the quarter. Unrelated to the vaccine, our hotels in Baltimore, with proximity to Washington, D.C., secured government business leading up to the inauguration of the new administration. Geographically by state, three of our top five performing occupancy markets during the first quarter were in the Sun Belt. Two of these markets, Texas and Florida, represent our two largest geographic property concentrations by state. Our 10 hotels in Texas averaged 74.7% occupancy for the quarter, while almost reaching $100 average daily rate. Our 12 hotels in Florida did hit $100 ADR in the quarter, while slightly eclipsing 75% occupancy levels on average. Another state where AHIP has meaningful presence, New Jersey, saw ADR of almost $102, while achieving occupancy of 68.5%. Two markets in particular had a very strong Q1. Our three properties in Ocala, Florida, delivered exceptional results with occupancy and rate of 80.1% and $110.09 respectively. San Angelo, Texas, 
where we have two properties, was able to achieve occupancy of 84.9% and a rate of $120.39 for the quarter. On the flip side, four of our six properties in, in the Pittsburgh region, as well as four hotels in Oklahoma City area, lag portfolio averages by a significant margin. Overall, we saw broad-based occupancy strength across many regions in the first quarter. In fact, of the 22 states where AHIP has hotel properties, all but four exceeded 50% occupancy for the quarter. Those states, Iowa, Oklahoma, Ohio, and Kentucky, collectively represent 17% of the portfolio by key count. Our 78 hotels continue to outperform their respective comp sets with a REVPAR index of 122.6, up from 120.5 during the fourth quarter. Our extended stay properties once again lead this performance. The efforts of our hotel manager in implementing cost containment initiatives continued to result in margin growth across the portfolio in Q1. Operating efficiency gains contributed to Q1 GOP margins of 42.4% compared to 35.7% in Q4 of 2020 and 36.6% in Q1 of 2020. From a hotel EBITDA perspective, margins of 29.1% in Q1 compared favorably to 21.8% in Q4 of 2020 and 26% in Q1 of 2020. Several factors have contributed to this margin growth. Improving average daily rates, relaxed brand standards, and cost containment initiatives put in place at the beginning of the pandemic in response to lower demand. Currently, the portfolio is operating at 51% of pre-COVID staffing levels. This is up from 48% in Q4. We would expect this percentage to marginally increase as we normalize at higher demand levels, in particular for our Embassy Suites properties. However, we anticipate that some of the savings we are currently seeing will become permanent, providing for a leaner and more efficient operating model. Our hotels continue to operate with relaxed brand standards, a new reality across our industry since the onset of the pandemic. We expect to add some costs back into our operations starting in late Q2 and Q3 of this year, particularly around complimentary services, breakfast and, even, and evening receptions where required by the brand. As a complimentary services comparative, in Q1, our comp services costs were in the $1.80 CPOR range. In 2019, our comp services cost was in the $3.80 CPOR range. Similar to staffing levels, we do not anticipate a return to 2019 brand standards and believe that we'll glean a leaner operating model going forward. It's too early in the recovery to provide specific margin guidance. As discussed on our last call, our ability to recruit employees will be challenged as the economy recovers. Many factors contribute to this dynamic, including the ongoing availability of government assistance, increased competition in the labor market for employees, and in some instances, employee reticence to return to work while the pandemic is ongoing. We are seeing some procurement issues, in, uh, in particular for linen and FF&E, 
furniture, fixtures, and equipment, which we suspect will improve as the global economy recovers and the supply chains normalize. Our capital spend in Q1 was focused on emergency requests related to life safety and asset preservation. We had no new capital renovation projects in the first quarter and expect PIP projects will be limited in 2021 and dependent on the financial recovery of our business. As business conditions normalize, we are beginning to have discussions with our brand partners regarding our properties and long-term renovation pipelines. As a reminder, approximately 80% of our guest rooms were built or renovated over the past five years. Taking into account renovations, the average adjusted age of the AHIP portfolio is 4.8 years. And with that update on our hotel operations, I'll now turn the call over to Anne to highlight key financial and capital metrics for the quarter. Anne? Thank you, Bruce. Good morning, everyone. The last three months' operating performance has brought confidence that a sustained business recovery is underway. As we have since the pandemic began, we continue to focus our efforts on protecting our balance sheet and maximizing liquidity. We believe that our collective efforts are reaping rewards as cash generated from hotel operations, along with our preferred equity raise, have allowed us to pay down debt and significantly reduce our payables since the beginning of the year. For the three months ended March 31, 2021, revenues decreased by $15.1 million to $46.7 million as compared to $61.9 million for the same period last year. Q1 2021 reflected a full quarter of pandemic-impacted results as compared to 2020 when the pandemic was first declared in March. Q1 of last year also incorporated an extra day of revenues in a leap year, which translated to approximately $1 million to the top line. RevPAR decreased 19.5% to $57.01, primarily driven by ADR decrease of 16.8% to $94.70, as occupancy only declined by 3.2% to 60.2% for the first quarter of 2021. Despite the 24.5% decline in revenues in the quarter, NOI only decreased by 16.1%, and NOI margins increased from 28.9% in Q1 2020 to 32.1% in Q1 2021. Loss in comprehensive loss for the quarter was $14 million, compared to a loss in comprehensive loss of $12.6 million for the same quarter last year. Diluted loss per unit for the quarter was $0.18 cents compared to $0.16 cents in 2020. Funds from operations was negative $2 million or negative $0.03 cents per diluted unit after deducting the net income attributable to non-controlling interest of $689,000, which is a new item this quarter in connection with the preferred stock issued in January. Two non-recurring items caused FFO to go from break-even to negative $2 million or negative $0.03 per unit. The first, approximately $1.3 million in non-recurring financing charges related to interest and penalties. And the second, $1 million in non-recurring general and administrative charges related to employee severance costs. In terms of liquidity metrics, in Q1 2021, 
additional $500 in U.S. government-guaranteed loans, which may be forgivable if certain conditions are met. The total amount of such loans received in 2020 and 2021 was approximately $15 million. AHIP did not recognize any additional impairment charges in the quarter. AHIP's discussions with loan servicers on the two underperforming non-core assets in Pittsburgh that we discussed on the Q4 earnings call are ongoing with respect to a modification of the terms of these loans. As at March 31, 2021, AHIP had total available liquidity of approximately $60 million with an additional $31 million of restricted cash held in various reserves with the loan servicers. This was compared to March 31, 2020, when AHIP had total available liquidity of only $20 million. Subsequent to quarter end, we continued with our efforts to clear significant outstanding liabilities. We repaid the deferred purchase price of approximately $16.2 million, including accrued interest, to the vendor on AHIP's acquisition of the 12 premium branded hotels in December 2019, thereby fully discharging this liability. Today, following our preferred equity raise and debt paydown, we have approximately $40 million of available liquidity comprised of both unrestricted cash and revolver capacity. With these financial highlights, I will turn the call back to Jonathan for some closing remarks. Jonathan? Thank you, Anne. Over the last 12 months, we've witnessed the incredible commitment, kindness, and courage from the frontline hotel teams responsible for greeting the guests that frequent our properties on a daily basis. We've also seen our regional management teams, shepherded by our external manager, adjust operations in a very unpredictable demand environment. The resulting performance of our portfolio speaks to the diligence and pride that they take in their work. We are very grateful for their collective efforts. As announced, Chris Cameron, our Chief Investment Officer, will be departing AHIP at the end of May. Chris has a long track record of service to AHIP, and we are grateful for his time here and wish him all the best in his future endeavors. After withstanding the challenges of the last four quarters, I am very excited about the opportunities that lie ahead for our business. The strength of our premium-branded, suburban, select-service hotel portfolio has shone through over this past year. As we look ahead, we will continue to focus on our key priorities. Operationally, we will maintain our attention on cost containment and margin enhancement so that as rate growth accelerates, we optimize flow through to our bottom line. We will continue to protect the balance sheet near term and deleverage over time. We will pursue accretive opportunities to deploy capital in our existing portfolio and through new acquisitions. Our end goal remains to drive total return for our unit holders through unit price appreciation, as well as reinstating our unit holder cash distribution at a sustainable level and at the appropriate time. So with that overview of our first quarter and recent initiatives, we'll now open the call to questions from Alice. Operator? As a reminder, to ask a question, you need to press star one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your <coughs> first question comes from the line of Canaccord. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Hi. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, in, in regard to hey, in regard to the distribution, and you, you kind of just alluded to it before, and also in earlier comments, was said that there still is a lot of uncertainty regarding where margins will stabilize and the costs and recovery. Can you just update us maybe on what metrics you see and what are the steps that would take before we could see the distribution reinstated, just so we should know what to look for? Sure. So um, it's a great question, and we understand the value of the distribution to, to our investors. Um, and you know, just uh, from a macro standpoint, um, we believe, you know, the, we 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 understand the importance of of reinstating a more meaningful div dividend as operations continue to improve. Um, one of the things to focus on is as we look at you know the metrics uh, related to to cash flow. Um, uh, the driver of that is our, our recent amendment to our um, our revolver, um, which which has a covenant waiver period, which ends in 20, at the end of 2021. Um, and according to the recent amendment, there's a restriction so long as we're in covenant waiver um, that we can't reinstate a distribution. Um, but if 2021 was to meaningfully improve, and we are able to come out of covenant waiver earlier than December 31st, we would be able to reinstate reinstate the distribution and of course that that is a board decision and uh, and the board would weigh weigh all factors so would it be reasonable to say that you expect that by this time next year though that there will most likely be a, a distribution if we were to continue on our current trajectory mark um, certainly that would be you know that that's what the um, the models would tell us, but like I said before, this is ultimately a board decision, and the board would weigh um, uh, several factors in totality. Okay, great. And on a separate point, um, you've brought in two sophisticated um, investors to partner up with you into, with this um, with the preferred capital. Um, can you just talk about what benefits this brings to to AHIP, maybe that you've seen already, or that you you expect to, to come in the future? Sure, and yeah, we, we've um, since closing on the uh, transaction at the end of January. We've had two two board meetings already, um, and um, these are um, uh, these folks are also part of our investment committee, our governance committee, and we have a chance to interact with them on a daily basis. These are uh, two investors, uh, both in hospitality and real estate, that are uh, that have a, a quite a broad reach uh, across the United States. And provide some really meaningful um, information and feedback on 
the state of the market um, and what they're seeing both from um, counterparties on acquisitions, uh, but also in the debt markets, um, and also bring with them, um, you know, a, um, a view on on our business, on our operations, um, and and a validation in that respect. So, um, you know, all those factors uh, contributed to to why we chose them ultimately to uh, as the investor in in our company, um, and those have played out uh, exactly and if not better than than what we had hoped for. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mark. Your next question comes from a line of Lauren Kumar with TD Securities. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Um, so I just uh, going back to your comments about May uh, continuing to improve. Do you guys have any numbers on occupancy in ADR thus far? Yeah. Uh, hi, Lauren. It's Bruce. Yeah, so through May 11th, so a couple of days ago, we don't have last night's re results yet, occupancy is at 66.7% uh, uh, through the first 11 days, and our ADR is at $107.23. Oh, that's good. You're seeing the ADR keep climbing. Um, okay. And I, I guess there was a few kind of um, uh, groups you mentioned that are sort of, I guess, supporting the occupancy of the National Guard and some construction mm -hmm. projects. Do, do, do you guys expect there to be a drop-off in, in demand from those groups and a corresponding drop-off in occupancy, or, or do you think it kind of nets out to, 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 to um, zero as this progresses, or, or do you see a net improvement going forward? Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a drop-back, just for, just for what it's worth. Um, I think at a, at a minimum, it'll stay at the kind of the current rate that we're seeing, if not grow some. You know, I, I think there continues to be pent-up demand, not just for leisure travel, but for some of the construction and, and project work that we seem to be seeing kind of across across the states we operate in. Okay. Um, and then I, I think you guys mentioned uh, capital recycling, the MDNA. I was wondering what the uh, intentions were for that, and, and just as an extension, maybe where do you guys want to try and get leverage to by, uh, by the end of the year? Um, it's pretty difficult to to model that right now, um, Lauren. Just with the the variance in the in the operating environment, certainly we know where we want to be in in the intermediate to long term, and that's more in line with um, our peer group average. Uh, but you, it would it would be difficult at this point to get a uh, to to provide a metric for year end. Okay, and then maybe just lastly. Um, are you guys seeing anything on the acquisition front? Is there any, you know, if the right opportunity came along, would you guys be willing to execute, or, or is that you guys still kind of focused on stabilizing the operations? No, we're we're in the market to you know to to track um, acquisitions, and for the right opportunity, we would find a way to get to get a transaction done. Um, there's been just as a as a industry metric, Q1. Um, Q1 transaction volume was down 52% year over year uh, nationally. Um, but in the last month or so, there's been a meaningful increase to the number of broker deals in the market. Um, and we, by, our, by our, our, our count right now, there's over 100 deals in the, in the select service space alone. So we, um, you know, there, there's, uh, there's activity out there. We need to be part of uh, uh, we need to be underwriting those deals uh, to to understand where values are, but also mining them for um, uh, for a potential opportunistic purchase. Great. Um, okay. Thanks, everyone. I'll turn it back. 
Your next question comes from the line of Matt Logan with RBC Capital Markets. Thank you, and uh, good afternoon. John, uh, when we think about the the recovery, I know it's hard to pin down the exact details, but could you talk a little bit about how you expect the shape of the recovery to progress? Uh, like said differently, do you expect, you know, like a big surge in demand in the back half of this year as vaccines roll out and your momentum continues? Or, or do you think that, you know, eventually we kind of reach a point where the initial surge is over and there's a long drawn out tail to the recovery? Well, the um, this recovery is different than than what you would have seen after the global financial crisis in early, uh, early 2000s in that it's um, single event driven and there's a tremendous amount of pent up demand out there uh, when consumers, as we've seen in Q1, uh, with uh, disposable income wanting to wanting to spend on travel, so unlike um, what we would typically see, which would be a stepwise recovery, um, the dynamics shaping up for Q3, Q4, i.e., the return of the business traveler, uh, could entail you know, something much more than than a um, a stepwise recovery, i.e., more of a V-shaped recovery on the demand side. Um, so, so that's that's as you know very difficult to model. As you as you look at our um, our full service peers and what they're saying with respect to uh, corporate and group uh, business, uh, they're having inbound calls from um, meeting planners for uh, uh, for corporate business in Q3, Q4. And like we said in our past our past call, that's kind of when we expect. Uh, Really demand to uh, demand to leap, and therefore create some compression in some of these markets that we're that 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 we are in, uh, thereby allowing us to to um, pick up rate even more than what we're seeing right now. So thematically, would you hope to be you know approximating 2019 levels um, next year or the year after? Uh, well, we would hope to be approximating 2019 levels in the next 12 months, <laughs> but uh, realistically, the the uh, depending on on who you speak to, in um, whether it be um, CBRE or or STR or HVS, most most are modeling 2023 as the return of 2019 levels. Uh, but um, you know that is, um, like I said, extremely difficult to model at this time. Yeah, there's certainly still a lot of variables. Um, maybe just changing gears a little bit. When you think about the mix uh, of demand for your business in terms of leisure versus corporate, could you tell us where that was in 2019, where that is currently, and if you think that mix shift will go back to the way it was, or if we could see more demand from, from leisure travel going forward? Hey, Matt, it's Bruce. I'll, I'll take that question. Um, I, I think in many ways what's happened is we've kind of flipped the demand. So we were probably more in the 60 to 70% corporate demand range and with the remainder being leisure, you know, in 2019 or prior. And I would suggest to you today we're more like 60 or 70% leisure with the remainder being kind of corporate and, and group-oriented business. Um, uh, so, w although we have seen some, uh, 
corporate business kind of coming back into our hotels. I would tell you that it's it's been quite slow. Um, I do expect there will be a day when our peak days return to Tuesdays and Wednesdays away from Fridays and Saturdays, right, which is really that corporate uh, group-driven business. Um, so so uh, when that's going to happen, I'm not too sure. I, I, I am optimistic that as we get into the back half of 2022 um, that 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 life will feel a little bit more like it did pre-pandemic as far as the demand coming into our hotels. The other thing about corporate business just that I think is worth commenting on is that's typically higher rated business for us. So as it comes back into the hotels, I think that's going to have a beneficial impact on, on, on the rate that we, that we see. Good color, Bruce. And maybe last one for me, just in terms of the, transaction market. Uh, I know you're monitoring it closely. Could you give us a sense for the, you know, where you're seeing pricing for non-distressed assets? I mean, relative to kind of pre-pandemic levels? Sure. Um, we can tell you where the, the, the ask is and because um, you know, a lot of these transactions haven't consummated yet. If you look at the transactions that have been done in Q1, um, there were there were there was a, there were a lot of uh, kind of lender controlled dispositions, uh, but as we enter Q2, uh, there'll be there'll be more arms length um, non lender involved uh, uh, buy sells and and so the ask right now from the um, on the on the on the deals that we've been tracking uh, are are. And, and everybody's price into 2019 levels are in the eight and a half cap range on 2019 NOI. And, um, and buyers, there's about a 15 to 20 percent uh, bid, bid ask spread, um, but that's changing pretty dramatically in favor of the sellers. So um, it's becoming quickly becoming a seller's market, um, and uh, and and there's a lot of capital on the sidelines waiting to uh, waiting to pounce. Um, if it does indeed become a seller's market, would you be open to selling any assets to reduce leverage? Uh, we're always contemplating that um, just because, you know, it's a sound policy with respect to asset management. Uh, we don't have any, any currently that we're actively engaged on, uh, but we certainly do get um, inquiries uh, from time to time. Well, I appreciate the color. Thanks, John. I will turn it back. Your next question comes from the line of Joanne Chin with BP with BMO Capital Markets. Hi, good morning, everyone. Uh, sorry, good afternoon. Lost track of time. Um, hi, Joanne. Hi. Uh, just wanted to check on that on the acquisitions front. You know, uh, obviously things are picking up. Just within on the market right now, what would you say your overall capacity be, would be for within your threshold for acquisitions? If you were to undertake any, uh, sorry. The overall acquisition capacity. Oh, sorry about that. Um, you're just as as your balance sheet stands right now, and kind of you're thinking over the near term uh, with respect to undertaking acquisitions. Like, what would you say your capacity is right now? Sure. Well, looking at the our cash balances right now, uh, it's limited in what we could do. Um, I can tell you that the debt markets are opening up. Uh, quickly, um, but we see acquisitions as a way to 
re-equitize our portfolio. So if we did so in the in the next 12 months, it would be simply by either um, uh, transacting with a, a vendor uh, that would would take uh, equity in our in our units, uh, or perhaps by bringing in a, a strategic investor um, and in issuing uh, equity directly to them on a on a um, on, on an acquisition. So um, those are some of the structures that we're contemplating. Um, certainly, we'd like to be in a position where. Uh, we reinstate the distribution and we can uh, issue equity in the open markets. Uh, but in this environment with, um, you know, with, with, with some of the um, attractiveness of the deals that we're looking at, we have to look at creative ways to be able to fund acquisitions in the next 9 to 12 months. Okay, got it. That's helpful. Um, and maybe just going back on the ADR, uh, obviously it's, been, uh, it's nice to see that, that swift recovery, but and just going back to your previous comment with respect to kind of the corporate clients coming back, should we be expecting a kind of an acceleration in the back half and, you know, uh, business travel do, in fact, resume? Uh, hi, hi, Joanne, it's Bruce. So I, I think it's fair to, to, to think that we'll see greater ADR recovery as that corporate uh, customer returns to the business. Um, uh, you know, it's going to be contingent on how quickly they come back, right, and what kind of uh, compression we start to see across our portfolio. But, but, but I, I do think we'll see greater growth with, uh, with the corporate customer back in the market. Have you been seeing some, a little bit of a recovery in the last month or so? Yeah, yeah, we have. It hasn't been substantial. Like over the last two or three months, there are a few markers that we see in the, in the business that uh, – that are that are showing uh, some positive signs. So negotiated rate um, uh, segment is something that's improving on a on a month over month basis, and those negotiated rates are typically with corporate clients as well. Um, uh, GDS bookings, uh, global distribution systems, are, again typically more a business or corporate customer using uh, that stream to book hotel rooms. We're seeing. And then, and then I would also just tell you anecdotally, um, our meeting room uh, 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 revenue from just booking our meeting rooms across our portfolio has been increasing over the last three or four months. So it's not always attached to guest rooms, but we certainly have more local businesses that are booking uh, our meeting rooms for, for day meetings or meetings over a couple of days. So we see more revenue from uh, meeting room um, uh, book uh, rentals, as well as actually some F and B revenue. Uh, still, the F and B revenue is still far from where it was, but but we see that as a positive sign of that guest type returning to the hotels. Got it. Um, that's helpful. And just one last one for me. Um, I know you said there's you know there's a lot of moving pieces, obviously, still in this recovery process. Um, didn't want to really give guidance with respect to. Um, uh, on the margin front, but um, I would imagine, you know, uh, with demand coming back up, uh, you know, that we should continue to see a slow improvement in margin, obviously above the 2020 levels, but would it still likely be below um, 2019 levels for 2021? Yeah, no, um, Joanne, I, I think we're going to see, well, for, so two, kind of two questions or your two comments. I think we're going to continue to see margin uh, improvement as we move forward, com certainly compared to 2020. 
Um, and in fact, what we're seeing is some margin improvement over 2019 at this point um, okay. because of the relaxed brand standards and uh, around um, complementary services and housekeeping type services. Um, so we're anticipating we're going to see some margin growth on an ongoing basis when we look back at 2019. Okay, that's uh, that's really helpful. Okay, uh, that's it for me. Thanks. I'll turn it back. Your next question comes from Alina Tail Woolley with National Bank Finance. Hello. Sorry. I tell. Hey. <laughs> um, just uh, to uh, maybe put a finer point on. It. I mean, this this portfolio sort of as it as it exists right now was sort of only in that like as it was constructed like just for a moment right before the pandemic hit, like with the final transaction to get sort of the portfolio to where it is today. Um, and so we've been talking a lot about like trying to get you know, making a lot of references back to 2019. I guess, like, what I'm asking, though, is when I look at, like, some of the operating metrics, it's like, we don't really have a lot of history, uh, you know, with the portfolio as it is. And so what are the target ADR, target occupancy you think you ultimately can get with the current portfolio of the hotels? Yeah, hi. Well, I, I, it's Bruce. I, um, you're absolutely right. We we didn't really get to see the full benefit of the uh, of the assets we acquired right back in December of 19. We uh, um, you know those are newer assets, more extended you know eight of the 12 are extended stay, which are which uh, which run at higher margins. Um, so so you're absolutely correct on that point, and we we clearly improved the quality of our portfolio with that acquisition. Um, with regards to target ADRs. Um, that's, that's a difficult question to answer today um, because there's been so many dynamics that have been impacting um, regions and our portfolio as a whole. Um, I, I, I would hope that by the end of the year or maybe this time next year that we, that we can have a much more educated comment around where we, where we see ADRs and REVPARs for this portfolio stabilizing but it's pretty tough to tell right now in the absence of that group segment really that, 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 that isn't in, in the market these days. So um, I think we honestly need a little bit more time before we can get you a, a solid answer on that. Um, okay, so if, you're, if you can't give us a solid answer, then I would assume then if you're looking to take on more strategic equity or something like that, you are going to need to have an answer to that question, no? Uh, with respect to our um, uh, our guidelines for for the next 12 months or the next 24 months. I, well, no, you, you said in an earlier question that you know you would maybe look to raise more equity with a strategic investor to go buy stuff. I'm assuming you would need to have answers to those questions about sort of where your long-term targets are in order to bring in more more equity. Yeah, I mean, we we've um, you know we successfully uh, did our our prep raise in January uh, based on the current dynamics. I think with um, you know as we with each each week that goes that goes on, Tal, we have we have a greater visibility to what we think our our new kind of 78 hotel uh, portfolio will perform at um, uh, in the next uh, you know the next 24 months. 
uh, certainly that's a challenge in this in this environment right now, and that really, uh, frankly, nobody has the um, knows with 100% certainty. Okay, and then if performance normalizes, um, you know, in the way that you think it might, um, what does the debt to EBITDA ratio for this company look like coming out of this? Yeah, again, uh, Tal, that's a, that's a pretty difficult question to answer right now. I, I think you, you asked me a, a variance on this, uh, the same question in March, uh, which is, you know, directionally, where, where are we headed? Um, and, and uh, you know, based on 2019 uh, EBITDA levels, um, the, the peer group median is, is around five times. Uh, there's a broad range around that, but directionally, that's, that's where we want to be heading. Um, and, you know, all of our efforts uh, with respect to um, acquisitions and how we finance new uh, new deals, how we refinance existing deals, uh, will all be pointed towards that target. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much. Great, thank you. And there are no, there are no further questions at this time. Great. Well, thank you again, everyone, for joining us on our call today, and we look forward to speaking with you in August when we report our second quarter 2021 results. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.